it's time to stop just doing more with less and, and not accept that anymore and decide, you know what, um, now is our time. And um, we're going to start taking what we deserve uh, and sharing it with the people who do the, uh, the excellent work every day. And that's what we're all about. This episode of EMS One Stop is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Welcome to another edition of EMS One Stop, and I am speaking to you live from Washington, D.C. I'm going to talk about state associations today, and to help me along, I have three amazing individuals that are running their own state associations, and so without further ado, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves, uh, because uh, I won't then mess up their names and titles. Terence. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. Uh, I'm Terence Ramatar. I am the uh, Director for Government Affairs for the Southeast Region for Global Medical Response, also the President of the Florida Ambulance Association currently, and I also participate with the Georgia Ambulance Providers Association as their treasurer. Thanks, Rob. Jimmy Pearson, uh, President and COO of Medic Ambulance Service in Northern California, also the current uh, President of the California Ambulance Association. Thank you, Rob. Uh, Chris Anderson, I'm with Bell Ambulance in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and President of the Professional Ambulance Association of Wisconsin. So state associations, uh, you've all got an individual story to tell and uh, obviously we are here today at the American Ambulance Association and we're celebrating stars of life and uh, so that's the federal stuff and obviously we appreciate we're going to be hopefully uh, influencing those on the hill. I know we can't go there at the moment because of revolution and COVID, one or the other, take your pick. Um, we can't actually get into the capital. But what's going on in the states, and I'll start with you, Chris Anderson, because uh, you've been legislating your little hearts out over there. Yeah, thanks, Rob. I appreciate that, and and um, I hate taking credit for anything. You know, there's been a big group of people involved, uh, but I can tell you, uh, as their spokesman, uh, what we've accomplished. So, Wisconsin went about 20 years without a Medicaid increase. Um, in 2019, we started really talking seriously about how do we get this done. And we kind of got tired of asking and being told no. Uh, so we decided, you know, there's got to be a better way. Um, maybe it's how we're asking or, or how we're not asking. Maybe we're asking the wrong people. Uh, number one, find a good lobbyist. That's what we did. We got really lucky. Uh, we found a great in-state lobbyist um, who had a lot of connections. Uh, we also realized in our particular case, Wisconsin, since 2018, has had a uh, Democratic governor and a very Republican legislature, which can make things difficult, as you can imagine. So we had always been going to the governor and asking to be uh, provided a Medicaid increase in the budget. Well, we soon realized, with the help of our new lobbyist, the budget is really uh, driven by the legislators. The governor may author it, or the, the uh, initial version of it, but by the time it's done, it's unrecognizable from what the governor proposed. So we took the, uh, this new route and we went to the legislators and we said, look, here's the problem. Um, you know, we need this to be a career, much as, uh, as like uh, nursing uh, or other healthcare professions. We have to stop the bleed. We have to stop people from leaving for better pay. Uh, and we need to keep the people we have. So you need to do this, you need to fix it, or 
Wisconsin being pretty rural in the northern half of the state, um, you know, we, we gave them a dire warning. Uh, if you don't fix this, no one's going to respond uh, three or four years from now. It's going to fall apart. Uh, and do you want that to happen on your watch? And we weren't afraid uh, to lay that on their laps and, and kind of, you know, be a little dramatic about it because what we were doing wasn't working. So then came COVID, right? And while um, this may sound bad, we made the decision to not let this crisis go to waste. Uh, and we used it to our advantage. And we, uh, we said, look, here is uh, a great example of why you cannot let this um, initial gateway into the healthcare system fall apart. Uh, it's a safety net. We've proven that. And then, um, you know, the, start, the state started all of a sudden having more money than it anticipated having uh, through various, uh, you know, additional tax revenues, more tax revenues than they planned for, uh, federal money, all that. And all of these things came together. So I always say, you know, first and foremost, we found a great lobbyist. Second thing we did is we made a, we formed a coalition with the fire providers, uh, you know, municipal and non-municipal providers, um, with the fire unions. We got everyone together and we said, look, we've argued about this or that for the last 20 years, but what has it gotten us? Nothing. So if we agree uh, with each other that we agree 90% of the time, let's forget about the 10% where we don't and let's focus on the same goal. And we did that and it worked. And so we had everyone from you know the Fire Chiefs Association to our association and everyone in between uh, going and, and you know hounding their legislators. And um, quite frankly, they got tired of hearing from us and they said, Time to fix it. Chris, thank you for that kind of opening. And uh, so it, it's all about politics. It's about creating influence in the legislation. It's about achieving results. As you say, stop the bleed. I think that EMS is in danger of becoming the, the, the real casualty in all of this unless we just do something at, at unless we do something at the state level. Um, now, for full disclosure, I'm also, one of my day jobs is I'm the executive director of the California Ambulance Association. So I'm going to ask you the same question, Jimmy, or shall I say boss? Uh, <laughs> here we go. Um, but uh, obviously, a lot of what Chris has said, and, and, for, and again, before we started the campaign in California, I spent some quality time on the phone with Chris just to kind of pick his brain. And I think we're following in his footsteps. But talk about coalitions, talk about politics, talk about uh, um, lobbyists, and how things are looking in California right now. Chris, great, great story. Uh, sounds very similar to what, what triggered our board. Well, I'll start with, if anybody watched Saturday Night Live, uh, George Bush, Will Ferrell, strategy, right? Uh, strategy is, is important. Uh, you brought it up in 19, um, and we had a, uh, Todd Valeri was the president prior to me, really helped build a legislative strategy, uh, and our board was focused. Uh, and Michigan put us over. What we saw happen in Michigan really triggered us in early January this year. Uh, we had conversations with their team over there. We have a really good lobbyist. Uh, we switched lobbyists about three years ago. Even our lobbyist before was really good, but we wanted a different legislative strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and they're really tied into the ledge, right? But what we didn't have was to the governor. Um, and in California, a little different. or a supermajority, right, for the uh, Democratic side. Uh, which, you know, for me, in EMS, we're apolitical, right? I mean, I, I really could care less if you're a Republican, Democrat, independent or not. We need to serve patients. Um, so that part was, was good, at least. So we, we actually added another um, lobby firm called Axum Advisors um, who had a better relationship with the governor. 
So at least we can hear stuff there. So our first meeting we had in late January was with the governor's office. Um, and their answer was build a coalition, uh, build a common message, and, and then come back, right? Um, and so as we were talking with, there's six small other ambulance associations. There's one kind of bigger one, which is a 9-1 alliance, which is the five biggest providers in the state. Majority of them are actually all CAA members. Um, but, it, you know, it's good to have different voices too, right? But our number one was uh, we want to reach out to our fire partners. A little bit different, right? Uh, I have a great relationship with fire and CPF and Cal Chiefs. But them coming to the table on this coalition wasn't is still discussions, but we haven't needed them. Our big differentiator was labor. Um, and if you know private ambulance industries and my family's owned ambulance service for 43 years, we're a fully unionized workforce, our 400 employees. But that's kind of like death word <laughs> back in old school ways is that if you had a union, it was like, oh, my God, your employees hate you. Well, California, a lot of people are unionized, right? And honestly, it's been labor that has been with us from day one. Um, and they came on, uh, NAGE, SCIU down south, um, uh, international EMTs and paramedics. Uh, up north, we have United EMS workers. AFSCME, which represents my workforce and a lot of AMR's workforce. Um, and then there's TEMSA, which is Turlock EMS Association, which is United Steelworkers. Not to get into the thing, but we needed those three powerful unions to be with us. They represent 15,000 workers across the state. Um, and it helped kind of not having fire at the table. We, we have, we've had, I don't know, 20 different legislative meetings so far. We've gone back to the governor's office and said, hey, we built your coalition. Here we are. Uh, Freddie Rodriguez, assembly member uh, in Southern California. We just had a press conference. Um, and he's and he's an ex. You know, he is an EMT, not ex EMT. Active EMT was a Star Life Award recipient for California. So the coalition, even without fire, is made waves, and we haven't been told no. We're sitting on a sixty-eight billion dollar surplus, um, and our ask is to bring. Um, our ask right now we're making $111 per transport um, with three bucks a mile. Yeah, I know. $111 per transport, three dollars a mile. Money. Yeah, so we're trying to get is um, yeah. Wow. So we're getting the goal right now. Our ask is that we have a on the emergency side we do have a GEMT where we spend money in you know and then there's a federal match which brings the rate to 320. Right. Okay. So, but we're going to have that. The goal is to still have that and bring our base rate to 350. So essentially it's a 222% rate increase. Um, and the crazy part is we've done math with the Alliance and different providers. Obviously no one has the exact number yet. What, you know, like even with the state, cause they're all the different department of finance governor's office, but really our number is sitting between a 40 to $60 million ask to do that. Um, and they just gave $200 million to, um, for equity and venture capitalism. The state gave $200 million to ensure uh, equity and venture capitalism. So, which I'm cool with. I mean, equity is important. But instead of worrying about $200 million for venture capitalists, let's worry about, right, that already have money. Let's worry about the 911 system and the non-emergency system because there's also a press conference the day after our press conference that the governor had where they just expanded Medicaid to everyone. So now we have, in California, just so you know, is the highest enrollment in Medi-Cal by about 6.5 million people. 
We are, if you compare us to the 50 states, we rate $152 per trip average below the states, right? And if you compare us to just the top 10 states, we're 115 bucks below that average. So uh, even if you look at the high utilizers of Medicaid or the high in the entire country, um, we're, we're, we're grossly underfunded. And we're having massive problems of all times, as everybody has too, but you have patients, Medicaid patients, sitting in ERs for weeks and on end because people won't transport them. Non-emergency patients won't move. Um, so you have that issue. And then this all also goes back to um, Chick-fil-A's just started in our area at 22 bucks an hour, right? And Amazon's starting at 24 an hour. So you go to your EMT, and now us and AMR in Northern California actually pay fairly well. My EMTs start out at 24, but the statewide average is about 17. So Chick-fil-A, Amazon, or go run in a pandemic war and, you know, be unappreciated, right? So that's the problem. Before I come to you, Terence, we're just going to take a second and have a message from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioural health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. So welcome back. So if you're listening in, you've probably got the idea that, you know, this politics is here for a reason. We're doing it to make a difference to our members, to help people or to recruit people, to retain people, and actually to give them a living wage. And as you just heard Jimmy say, we are competing with folk that uh, the difference between them and EMS, of course, is that when they have financial pressure, they simply raise the prices. Okay, we, of course, can't do that. We have to wait for the government or the other, the other ones, the insurance companies, to actually give us what they think we're worth, as opposed to our published tariff. Um, sometimes we get compared to Uber, right? Now, the difference, what's the difference? Uh, this is a a question you don't have to answer. What's the difference between Uber and EMS? Uber make you pay before you show up. Well, imagine if we did that. Goodness me. Anyway, Terence, you are a, a government affairs official, actually, with uh, with AMR, GMR. You look after a number of states, including Florida. So uh, what are you uh, what are you up to? Yeah, um, well, you know, look, it's been a, a busy two and a half years trying to navigate through uh, this new environment that we're in. And it all started with um, the COVID response. I think you know, in Florida, one of the successes we had, and, and I think one of the responsibilities of the associations is to sort of raise the, the brand awareness of EMS, raise, raise the profile in the state so folks know we exist. Um, and, and a matter of fact, I think uh, part of our responsibility is to really clarify um, how EMS is delivered in the state, right? So in Florida, I think it was important for us to, under, to, to deliver a message across the legislature or the communities that EMS is delivered in a number of ways. It's fire-based, it's private-based, it's volunteer-based, hospital-based. Um, so, you know, we see this at a national level too. Folks uh, don't really understand who delivers EMS. Um, so, you know, during the pandemic, I think we were really successful in, uh, in, in being a partner with the state uh, and providing those resources. So what we did uh, in the initial stages of the pandemic is uh, the ambulance services across the state, coordinated by the association, did uh, 4,000 missions to nursing homes across the state to make sure that they were 
Um, they had the protections they needed. Uh, we were doing screenings. Uh, that sort of then evolved uh, into testing uh, across the state. So we were constantly going to the, like I said, 4,000 nursing homes using uh, anywhere between 75 to 125 resources across, uh, across the state, coordinated by the association, by its members, being paid for by the state at a time when everyone was shut down. Uh, our partnership with the state was successful in that they re recognized that we had we had resources, we were mobile, we can actually handle this stuff. Uh, so quickly out of the governor's office, uh, we got the call and said, you guys are the guys that are going to save the day. And in fact, they did. And uh, that evolved into vaccines for nursing homes in Florida. You know, one of the thing we, things we laud in Florida is the fact that we protected our seniors. Um, and we only did that through the EMTs and paramedics that work through the state. And everyone knows about who does EMS in the state of Florida. So, um, and that's happened in, in several other states uh, where we've had to, through this pandemic, you know, elevate our presence and make them known, whether it's in our folks in Alabama uh, that now went from, you know, it's, it's a funny story in Alabama, they said went from zero to hero, where before they, they were never recognized by the legislature as anything. At all, there was no there was no first responder. This is scary, right? There was no first responder recognition, uh, you know, in the legislature uh, and and their needs. So you know, we went from there to now the governor signing a Medicaid match bill, uh, them being designated as essential services thanks to the good work about the, uh, with the Alabama Association, um, and uh, uh, and number of, uh, of financial aid uh, uh, legislative actions taken by the legislature to help and dole out some of that money. Mississippi has given out probably close to $20 million to, uh, to the first responder community through the agencies to support. So uh, what I'm seeing across the region is this long overdue right, grasp at getting up on the stage to let them know what we do. We're too humble mm -hmm. of an industry. Yeah. And we've done that. and. People recognize us for that, but to, to an extent, that hasn't gotten us where we need to, where we need to be. So I think you know what we're seeing now is this kind of revolution in, in EMS where we're like, you know what, no more of that, right? We're going to promote ourselves. We're going to pat ourselves on the back, and we're going to do that every way possible. Um, because now more than ever, and one of the most things we recognize most is that we need our state associations to partner with our states, whether it's legislature, Department of Health, whether it's a regulatory agency, um, and to recognize the folks, what they do, what they're capable of doing uh, in the community and being a partner. Uh, but also when you, when you do that, you start to become recognized in terms of your needs. Uh, and they, they start to work on the return. And that's what we're seeing now in several states. And so thankfully, we are seeing, uh, been working with, with uh, our guys at the AAA and our fellow associations all across the country, for that matter, um, and we're seeing this. We're seeing this now move um, to, to another level where the state association partnerships are really, really important. And I think that's the key to unlocking our needs for the next decade. Because, uh, you know, this is the United States of America, so each state is a country in terms of its own lawmaking. Um, the state associations are uh, acting as one, I thought, acting collectively, should I say. And uh, that great phrase, R&D, we are ripping off and duplicating ideas from others because, uh, you know, why not? You mentioned uh, PR, Terence, but I'm going to come back to you, uh, Jimmy. Obviously, and, and Terence, you're right that we are really good at underselling ourselves. And so therefore we have to be in the public eye more. But in California, uh, certainly we uh, took on a publicist, a PR company, to actually tell our story. And so, you know, what have they been doing to help? 
Um, can, you know, it's funny. Uh, you said something, Terrence, and it's part of our even talking points when we were all strategizing. Um, we aren't the ones that are used to calling for help, right? We're always the ones that kind of just deal with it, right? If we're down staff, we hop on a bus, right? If, if something happens, you, we just do it. We're not used to being the ones, even our workers, we're not the ones that ask for help. We're the ones that help. So, uh, again, changing that mantra that, you know, we need to celebrate ourselves. We need to ask for help. We need to tell them that they need to help, right? It's not sustainable. Uh, but in California, we added a firm called Communications Lab. Um, they created, helped us create uh, fundfirstresponders.org. Um, getting information so employees, family members, aunts, uncles, friends, neighbors can go to fundfirstresponders.org and put in where they live. And it, you know, there's multiple versions of a letter, but it'll be sent to their assembly members and senators, um, all done in the background. So uh, that's one of the things uh, we've had uh, repetitive media advisories for our members, uh, webinars that Rob's helped run, um, toolkits sent out. Uh, really reached out to them to we created a Dropbox for all our members to give us media and stories. Um, so yeah, they've been amazing. Uh, we actually because of so where our committee that is running the Medi-Cal task force lives in our ledge committee, um, and we ended up just giving three board members the autonomy within that subcommittee to just kind of go crazy um, and report back to the board and ledge. Um, where I was going with that is from there we created, we reached out to Media Labs and then with how much info they were giving us and so many people reaching out, we now have our own media relations committee as a normal committee within the CAA. So it's the lasting impacts even after just this one focused approach will be there for you know the years to come. My top tip to anybody listening is that uh, if you don't have a, a receptacle to take all the great photographs of your medics on the street or whatever, then certainly when I, I've been chiefs of services, I've set up photo at whatever service you're at. We've actually set up a drop box for the CAA to co collect quality images back to your point to help us promote and publicise ourselves. And so if you're not doing that, then do it. Chris, final sort of main question to you. Uh, if you're listening on the truck, how can you get involved in the politics to help make a difference? Obviously, you guys are chairing and leading associations, but the guy in the truck, what can they do? Yeah, that's a great question, Robin. I think, number one, uh, get involved with your state legislators. They do work for you uh, as a resident of the state. Find out who they are. Uh, your state associations can help you with that. A lot of them do letter writing campaigns. Uh, you know, We used a, a product called Voter Voice. We sent an email to all 14,000 licensed providers in Wisconsin, and uh, we got several thousand of them to click the link and send letters. Um, and that was another way we got recognition is, you know, we inundated the legislators with phone calls and letters. Uh, you know, ask your state association, look at their website, see what it costs to join as an individual. Oftentimes it's very cheap. Um, and it, I think you can take with you a little bit of... Uh, feeling of accomplishment, that you're helping uh, to promote the cause. And I can assure you, your state associations will return the favor, um, and they're going to make things better for you. It's going to take some time, and, and we're just getting started, but uh, we're, we're definitely on the right track. And like these guys said, it's, it's time to stop just doing more with less and, and, and not accept that anymore and decide, you know what, um, now is our time. And... Um, we're going to start taking what we deserve uh, and sharing it with the people who do the, uh, the excellent work every day. And that's what we're all about. 
Before we uh, ask you uh, how we can get hold of you, uh, if you are enjoying this show, please take a second to uh, give us five stars and a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. And that platform, we are available on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and probably stuff I've never even heard of as well. But uh, in the meantime, guys, thank you for taking the time uh, here at AAA. You've obviously got your own stars in the mixer here. But how can we get hold of you and your associations if we want to get involved in the politics in the state? To get a hold of me, uh, Terence Ramatar, or anyone in the association, we, you know, we made our email addresses at the association easy. So it's president at FAA.org. Use, use that email address if you want to figure out how to get involved. You may be sitting in a truck and not really exactly sure. I want to help. Uh, I want to understand how to help. I want to understand how, how my message syncs with yours. And I think that's important because, you know, one voice is really important. We have many needs. And uh, from a higher level, we've got to prioritize those needs uh, to, to get the best bang for the buck, right? So uh, making sure our messaging is succinct, it's on point, and it's, it's coordinated throughout the state so that we're all singing the same tune so that we get the results that we all want and just keep chopping down the list. doesn't help when we're, you know, for the legislature to hear 20 different needs. They want to help, right? They want to know how. And when they hear it consistently, they'll, they'll, they'll support uh, and then, like Chris said, I, I can't over, overemphasize this enough. Your local legislators want to hear from you. This is the biggest misnomer I thought. Well, you know, they're pie in the sky. They, you know, these guys don't you close doors. That sort. Of, that is not the case. When you go, just send an email or a phone call to your local legislator, to your local county commissioner, whoever your house representative in that area, they respond. And uh, surprisingly, right, and I probably say that because, you know, you sit behind a television with a remote and it's easy to criticize. But once you get involved, you'll be surprised to find out that they want to hear from you. So make your voice heard. Uh, mine's Jay Pearson, J-P-I-E-R-S-O-N, at metagamons.net. Um, or you can go to our website, uh, www.the-caa.org. And then if you live in California, funfirstresponders.org. Uh, put your address in, and we'll send letters to your legislators. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, for the people in the in, in the ambulances, um, don't be afraid to tell us your stories as well. I mean, you know, <laughs> AMR's got thousands of employees. I have four hundred employees. We run three hundred calls a day. Uh, as much as we have our own triggers, we might have missed a call. Um, so tell us your great story. We want to hear it. Um, you know, we have systems in place for our employees to do that, but sometimes people don't want to fill it out. They don't write it, want to write another email. Um, we need to celebrate you and the heroes uh, that you are because over the last two years, you know, sadly, especially a war going on uh, in the world right now, COVID's been our war. It's our two-year war. And just like when you have uh, people that enroll in the military, there's a big jump at first, but then it kind of dwindles down. And as the war stays on, there's a big recruitment effort. Um, and that's what we're feeling. Not only are we feeling people that just want to serve a country, this is to serve an EMS purpose, which there's a ton, but now they're making fiscal decisions. And with costs being as accelerated they are across the country, we have to follow suit. We have to. So, um, but talk to us. Talk to, your, uh, talk to your owners. Talk to your operators. Uh, we want to hear from you. So. I, you know, I have to echo everything these guys said. And uh, if you're in Wisconsin, it's wiambulance.org. Uh, it's easy to get a hold of us. Just visit the website, see what you think. Again, if you have questions, um, please don't think that any of them are silly questions or not worth asking. I promise that they're not. 
Um, we want to know if, if you're seeing a difference. Uh, we hope that you are. And we want to know if we can do anything better. Um, it's our time. It, you know, I can't say that enough. And uh, we're, we're here to work for you. And we need you. And uh, we need you to stick around. Uh, but we want to make it, we want to make this a field you want to stay in. So uh, I hope we're on the right track. But if we veer off, uh, we need you to tell us. Gentlemen, that uh, was amazing. And if you're out there wondering what state associations do, now you know. Uh, as always, you can follow me on LinkedIn or over on Twitter at UKRobL1. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for that. And uh, this has been another edition of EMS One Stop. I've been Rob Lawrence. Until next time, bye for now.